you're listening to the Sports by Fry podcast. On today's episode, after a long hiatus, I'm finally back recording another podcast episode. I know it's been a while, but I finally got my mojo back. I'm going to be doing some regular podcast posting. I'm going to aim to do two to three episodes a week, and over the next week and the next coming days, you'll start to see and hear more about what I've got planned. I will be doing another weekly episode with JLo. Long time sports by fans will know JLo. He's been guest appearing on the podcast ever since its inception. So he and I will probably do a bit of a round wrap up, you could say, of the AFL after the weekend's games. And we'll touch on everything, of course, from a fantasy perspective. I don't want to talk too much about my fantasy team because after a hot start, I have definitely uh, gone in the wrong direction. I was ranked in the top 1,000 at one point uh, in round two, and now I've slid all the way back to 20,000th. But glass half full approach, the large fries and coke, I'm confident that I can get my ass back in a gear. So I'll touch on some AFL fantasy stuff today, and I'll uh, drop a little bit of knowledge about where you can find some of my other pieces throughout the week, because I'm back to regularly writing for the Dream Team Talk Boys, so I'll make sure you're all over that. And I've got a couple of other articles planned on sportsbyfry.com as well. But without further ado, let's get started on today's episode. I'm not going to be doing too many of these 15, 10, 15 minute episodes, but when I do, I want to open each one with one topic. And today's open is on the Adelaide Crows. As we all know, unless you've been living under a rock, ever since, well, basically ever since the start of the 2017 Grand Final, things haven't gone right for the Adelaide Crows. They lost that game by about 40 points to Richmond. And then in an effort to try and strengthen up their team and build some resilience and some mental toughness, the Crows embarked on what is now the infamous uh, pre-season camp that took place in January of 2018. Now, Sammy McClure, a journalist, I don't think he technically works for the AFL, maybe 7 AFL, I don't know his official job title, but he's been doing some digging and got a lot of reports from some ex-Adelaide players, some current Adelaide players, a lot of people who, for obvious reasons, don't want to be named, but there's been a big piece and it's the topic and the camp has been in the news headlines again this week for all the wrong reasons. If you're a Crows fan, obviously it's not too nice to hear some of the things that have been coming out from this camp. Allegedly, what's gone on is a lot of the Crows' personal information was given to some of the members who were running this camp. I think there was an external agency that came in that um, some of these guys who are from a leadership background started to mess with a little bit of the psychology and the mental well-being of some players. And one of the drills and one of the tasks that they had to do was the players were tied to a tree and they had to crawl to a knife where they were able to cut themselves free. But while they were doing that, some of their other teammates were trying to hold them back and hurling abuse at them. And apparently, in some of these sessions with a select group of players, things got really personal. And that's one of the big issues that arose from this camp now. There's plenty of talented players that have walked out the door from Adelaide. And obviously, now that some of these things have come to light, we can kind of see why that's happened. And I don't think we've heard the last of this. I wouldn't be surprised. Sammy McClure and lots of other AFL experts and people in the know have said that they think the players will probably pursue legal action once their playing days are done. Obviously, there's no players that have really gone on the record and said too much about it. Eddie Betts has said that he he thinks part of it kind of helped shatter the club. And there's plenty of players that have given bite-sized pieces of information, but... 
yeah, this article that Sam McClure released is uh, definitely, I think, worth reading and doesn't paint the Crows in much of a positive light. I don't think, again, like I said, we've heard the last of it. They've had plenty of talent walk out the door. Apparently, there was also an issue with regards to um, some of the Indigenous players feeling that they were put in an awkward position. They were were trying to use a talking stick. And if you don't know much about Indigenous culture, the Indigenous players from the Crows were talking about how the way that the Crows were using it, they found to be offensive. And instead of addressing that issue, the Crows chose to exclude the Indigenous players from the activity. So it seems like Adelaide's really dropped the ball in a lot of aspects back in 2018. They've been paying for it for a couple of years now. They're still winless after five rounds and anchored to the bottom of the ladder. And unfortunately... Doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime soon. All right, enough doom and gloom. I want to talk... Doom and gloom? That's not a word. Doom and gloom. I want to talk about some fantasy footy. For those who are new to the podcast, uh, I've been doing a lot of fantasy stuff, mainly in the AFL, but dabbling in a little bit of NFL and NBA action as well. Um, And over the last few years, I've been writing for the Dream Team Talk Boys, the AFL Fantasy Traders. So you can check out my Cash Cows Guide on a weekly basis on hump day on Wednesday mornings. And then every Friday you can find the Friday Fantasy Cheat Sheet, which I think is probably the most relevant one because after team selection Thursday nights, a lot of the things that we plan throughout the week gets flipped on its head. So just quickly, my niche is talking about some of the rookies. And at the moment, I think the number one trade target from a rookie perspective is Jake Arcts from the Richmond Footy Club. He's 197k, so almost basement price forward. And I think he's a better punt than Isaac Rankin. I'm a little bit worried about how Isaac Rankin will score, and I think it's a bit wise to tread carefully with uh, the touted Gold Coast forward. He's obviously hasn't made a, his AFL debut yet, and has only managed three NEFL games so far this year, or so far in his um, Gold Coast career. So it's a 27, quick math, grand difference. So if you desperately need that money, then obviously you can kind of justify it. But I would uh, wary coaches off uh, trading in Isaac Rankin this week. I think it's wise to take another week and just see what he dishes up. If you're looking for a Matty Rowell replacement and you want to go down, Tom Green and Caleb Sarong are two players from the 2019 draft class that are attracting plenty of attention. Nothing wrong with either of those blokes. My favourite player though, which is probably still in your side and he's in a lot of sides, is Marlon Pickett. I think after being sent back, or not to the twos, because there is no twos this year, but after being dumped from the initial squad after a couple of struggling performances, I think he's really found his mojo, and I'm confident with the amount of outs that Richmond has, he can bounce back. Harley Bennell's another interesting one, a bit like Rankin, I think, given his injury history and the fact he played very low game time in the one game he has played in 2020, and he was dumped right after it, so I think... Harley Bennell is probably a bit of a riskier play, but again, at 267k, if you go down from Matt Rowe to him, you can make yourself about that much coin as well, which could be very handy elsewhere. Down back, luckily, we got a lot of rookies this week. Um, Like I've said and teased that uh, Friday fantasy cheat sheet, you can read all about them on the Dream Team Talk site, but Andrew McPherson uh, from the Crows was the other bloke that rounded out my top five rookie trade targets this week. 170k defender. The Crows seem to rate him pretty highly. I don't really think he's an on-field option, but 
there's not a ton else at the moment for those blokes who are maybe owning Trent Rivers or someone like Jared Brander who's injured and didn't get up again this week. So McPherson's fine as a bench downgrade option, and I think considering his basement price, getting on him this week isn't a terrible idea. If you're looking at him over Will Hamill, his crew's teammate, I think that's a smart play. Lockie Ash is probably the better player, but I'd rather have 100k in Andrew McPherson, unless maybe he was on your field. That's all the cash cows information I've got. Just quickly diving into my team before I move on to some basketball stuff. Matty Rial's injury has obviously forced the hand of a lot of coaches, and last week I emptied my bank by bringing Lockie Whitfield into my side. So I haven't really been do, able to do a lot with Rial, so I tried a couple of trade scenarios. Wasn't really happy with them, so I'm doing a bit of sideways trading and actually bringing in Michael Hibbard this week. Hopefully it technically gets a rookie off my ground, and hopefully... He can keep his good form up. He's gone, I think, over 80 in two of his three games so far this year. Had a stinker a bit earlier, but that's all right. I'm trying to ignore that. Glass half full, like I said. And I'm going to be dumping Trent Rivers, who might not honestly play again this year. Hasn't been in the greatest form. And for him, I'm going to be bringing in the aforementioned Jake Arts. I've looked at a couple of options, but considering Arts is pretty close to basement price, that makes me about 100k. But hopefully I can play around with a bit next week. I'm pretty lucky, actually, with the exception of Tristan Cherry or X-Area, however the hell you pronounce him, and Darcy Cameron, I've still got every other player on my team playing. Louis Butler, Connor Buderick, Lockie Ash, Ned McHenry, Maxi King, Jake Arts, they're all on my bench. So I haven't really been able to capitalize with points on my field at the moment, but hopefully if I can start culling some of those guys and pocketing a quick 100, 200K, then I can really use that for some rookie field upgrades. Not including Pitt and Ett, I've got five rookie price players or players that I'd want to technically upgrade still on my field. So I'm cautiously optimistic. Hopefully this week is the week that I can click and get my ass back in a gear. JLo and I will cover more fantasy stuff, obviously, at the end of the weekend, but I want to dive into some NBA news. If you don't know, all the players from the 22 teams who are going to take part in the NBA restart are now in Orlando, unless they, uh, for medical reasons, are still uh, quarantining in another state, but the players and the personnel started to arrive at the bubble, and obviously there's been a lot talked about the food, there's been talks about how the NBA is going to make statements on the courts and things like this. It's going to be a very, very interesting next couple of months, to say the least. Now, I think quickly talking about the food, obviously the NBA has come out and said that this isn't going to be the case for the entire time that these players are in the bubble. They're not going to be eating little room service sized trays. But at the end of the day, these guys knew going into this situation that they were going to be presented with all sorts of unique circumstances. So I'm not saying that any of the players are complaining by any means, but if you didn't think that there were going to be curveballs, then you're fooling yourselves. It'll be interesting to see in this bubble and in this circumstance, this new environment that is the rest of the 2019 2020 NBA season, which players adapt and which players really look for nitty-gritty excuses and not necessarily give up, but essentially, you know, focus on the things rather than basketball and competing for a championship. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're still competing for. We're still going to, fingers crossed, crown a champion. I released my NBA power rankings uh, ballpark late last week, I think it is. You can find that sportsbyfry.com. That's the latest article I dropped. Um, But in that, I rank the Clippers as the number one team. I think that given their veteran depth, let me say, and the personnel that they've got across the board, I really do like how they're poised for a run at it. The rest that these guys have got in the last uh, two months, three months, was about March 11th, 
I think, play was suspended. So pretty close to exactly four months from now. The play, the rest that those guys have got is only going to benefit those superstars who were maybe under an injury cloud. Obviously, Kawhi and Paul George had been managed throughout the season. So having that extra time off is going to benefit them, I think. We kind of forget that Reggie Jackson was signed by the Clippers as well just before things got paused. they got Joakim Noah now as well, and I love the guys that they've got around the rest of the team as well. Obviously, Pat Beverly, Landry Shamet, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, their real deep team is the Clippers, so I'm excited to see what they can produce. Out east, I still think Milwaukee's the one to beat, but don't sleep on Toronto. Technically, I only ranked them seventh in my power rankings, but as soon as I did it, I was kind of having second thoughts. Obviously, they are the defending champions, and they haven't slipped that much, especially on the defensive side of the ball this season, despite losing Kawhi Leonard to the aforementioned Clippers. And if Siakam and all these guys can really mesh, let's you know they haven't lost a ton of other pieces other than Kawhi from the team that won the chip last year. And I think continuity is really going to be a benefit to the teams in Orlando. I think those teams... Maybe like the Lakers, Houston isn't really in the same boat as this, but teams that have a lot of other moving parts might not be able to mesh as quickly. Philadelphia, I don't know, unless Joel Embiid goes ham, if they can really get it together. OKC could maybe surprise this couple as well, but like I said, that whole Power Rankings article can be found on my site. A couple of things have changed since I dropped it, though. Originally, I said that the Brooklyn Nets should be ranked 16th, and they're right on the edge of the playoff bubble. But we now know they're going to be without Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That's not huge surprising news. DeAndre Jordan obviously tested positive to the coronavirus and said that he's going to sit out a season restart. But they're also now going to be missing Torian Prince and Spencer Dinwiddie. So all of a sudden, the Nets team has been completely depleted, and I'm not really sure what they're going to be able to dish up. It is exciting, though, to see that crisis has created opportunity, and Jamal Crawford is back in the league. I'm a huge Jamal Crawford fan. Obviously, a lot of hardcore NBA fans are. It's hard not to like Jamal Crawford. And it's time for your useless Sports by Fry stat. Sticking with the Jamal Crawford theme to celebrate him being back in the league, he is not only the NBA all-time leader in career four-point plays. Oh no, Jamal Crawford also holds the NBA record for the most four-point plays in a single season, a single game, a single half, and a single quarter. So hopefully, even though Brooklyn might not win a lot of games in this season restart, we can watch Jamal Crawford get his stuff together. Who knows? He might even be able to play well enough that he earns himself a contract for next season. Maybe with the Nets, maybe not. I could see him playing a bit of a bench ball handling role and a bit of a scoring punch in someone's second unit for a championship team. So great to see Jamal Crawford back in the league. That brings today's quick episode to a wrap. Like I said, nice and short and sweet, about 15 minutes. Hopefully, you can get it in before fantasy lockout tonight and you can make the necessary moves. Good luck for round six ahead. Like I said, my trades are locked in. I think I'm going to be going Jack McRae, my skipper as well. Hopefully, roll the dice a bit rather than... I've been going Grundy pretty vanilla at the moment and he should be huge again, but got a lot of faith in McRae against Carlton, so hopefully he can deliver I'll be back with more episodes next week as well as a couple of other articles and bits and pieces in the works. So make sure you stay glued to Sports by Fry on all my socials and you can check out sportsbyfry.com for more of my articles as well. But thanks once again for listening to this episode. Till next time, peace.